0: God's doing miracles. Blake's getting muscles. I mean, man, it's pretty intimidating. <laughs> oh, anyways, <laughs> it's so good to see you all. It's so good to see who's in church. Like last week there were people, but I didn't know who was there. So uh, you could say, Pastor, great service and because everyone had a mask on. So uh, it's, just, it's just such a joy. How many of you excited for 2021? There's, there's, there's really... There's really something in the air, isn't there? There there really is. There really is something in the air. And and how many of you thought that was pretty arrogant of the worship team to just stop singing? Like they were like, <laughs> we we've done that song so many times, like we're gonna move on. Uh, I was just like, I need to talk to him, somebody. It's like, what just happened there? It's like and I couldn't even jump up because it's like it just, you know, didn't wanna affect the health of the church. But but it was like, I'm just joking. Why don't we put our hands together for our media team? Uh, incredible, incredible, incredible. And here's the thing. I, I, I hope I hope what we're doing in Downpour is a life lesson for all of us in being able to pivot and change in the times and the seasons. The Bible talks about how the sons of Issachar knew the times and seasons. Sometimes you just need to do what's needed at that time. And I love that song, the wonder thing. And I think about that, that bridge. I don't know if you know. It says, You are for me, not against me, for I know that. We'll learn it. We'll learn it. I, I just sang in case you go and go. I went to that new church. They, they, they sing on video. Well, now you had live singing just for a few seconds. I don't know if you know that song, Wonder. It's a downpour song. We wrote it. And so uh, I, I believe you're going to sing that song for a very, very long time. I believe that. I want to talk to you this morning again from the topic of hope. And uh, I want to read a passage of scripture. And I believe God's gonna do something powerful, just as we've had the moments over the last couple of weeks. Mark chapter nine, verse 14, it says, when he, that's talking about Jesus, when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately they saw him. All the people were greatly amazed and started running to him. That's talking about Jesus, greeting him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? When one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought to you my son who has a mute spirit and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, "O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. When they brought him to him and when they saw him when he saw him immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground wallowed foaming at the mouth and Jesus asked his father how long has he been has this been happening and the father replied from childhood and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him but if you can do anything have compassion on us and help us Jesus said if you can believe all things Are possible to him who believe. I want you to say that after me. All things are possible to him or her who believe. Verse 24. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief verse 25 when jesus saw that the people came running together he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it deaf and dumb spirit i command you come out of him and enter him no more then the spirit cried out convulsed him greatly came out of him and he became as one dead so that many said he is dead but jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he rose isn't that crazy how a lot of people think it's dead that marriage is dead your finances are dead but jesus will come by your bedside hold you back and speak life into you Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I pray that, that every heart, every mind would be open to what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. amen. We've spoken this word over our year, 2021. In the midst of all the craziness that's happening, you know, sometimes you want to downsize the word that you feel God has given you. But we've spoken this declaration of our church, over our church, hope and imagination. And every time every week goes by when I look at the news, some weeks are great, some weeks it's like, is that really the word of the year? But here's the thing about God. God does not look at the weather app before he's about to declare what he's about to declare. He does not and that's why we've been intentional in speaking that as the word, not hope. Well, the word of the, the, of the year is hope. No, we've called it hope and imagination. So every time you use the word hope, you've got to actually activate your imagination, that picture, that idea, that, that vision, that dream to really activate what really hope is. And over the last few weeks, we've learned that the way we access hope, one of the ways we access hope is by this thing called worship. When you do not have hope, worship is a great place because worship is a great place where God begins to enter an atmosphere and birth something within the human heart. We know that. And last week we learned about how sometimes hope requires of us to change the frame. In other words, the problem is not the picture, but pro- the problem is the limitation we put on the picture that God has birthed in many of us. Many of us have dreams. Many of us have hopes. Many of us have desires. Many of us has actually has a desire. Many of us has has, has many things that we want, but sometimes we can put it in a frame, and we learn that hope has this ability to remove the frame and put on new frames, To put to to the for the plans and purposes. Now, this morning, my message in itself gives away what the message is, which is great. And the title of my message is Hope Your Spiritual Womb. Hope Your Spiritual Womb. For those of you know, uh, my wife Leah is 38 and a half weeks pregnant. For the record, that's the most pregnant she's ever been, as in, we've always had the baby before that. So if my phone rings in the middle of the service, I'm not doing a worship team, I'm actually gonna go help in the hospital. (laughs) but but we are living in great days the womb's getting bigger the baby is kicking I mean this this thing's this we don't know if it's a boy or a girl this this thing's having a disco on the inside you know what I'm saying I lie next to her I'm feeling like the beatbox behind me it's like (laughs) it's like the womb's all there but I want you to understand that it's not just obviously females have a physical womb but I believe every human being has what I call a spiritual womb and hope is your spiritual womb this concept of hope is a multifaceted, multi-layered concept. And a lot of people have only a one-dimensional idea. Oh, well, I hope this happens. I hope that happens. But when you begin to sort of dissect this word hope, you'll begin to understand it is multi-layered, it is multifaceted. I want to read from 1 Peter 1.23 just to sort of build on this idea. Peter is saying, he's saying, for you have been born again. What he's talking about is the experience of knowing Jesus. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. I just want to zone in on one word there, imperishable seed. In other words, seed without expiry. Seed that cannot be destroyed. Seed that does not get too ripe seed that does not lose its nutritional value and what he's saying is the seed that God has is unique that tells me something about the dream that God has for you that tells me something about the plans that God has for you see you may have stuffed up you may have messed up you don't even feel qualified to be in this room you're not even sure if God loves you but the seed that God has is imperishable the seed that God has does not have a use by date. It's imperishable, it is strong, it is active, it is real, it is alive. For those of us that know that have a faith in Jesus know this constantly in Scripture, that, that the Bible does not shy away from this concept called seed time and harvest time. It's not a one-time idea, it's a constant thing. Through and through, in fact, the Bible calls associates faith as small as a, mustard seed. We see this the whole time. What you sow, you shall reap. You know, and so there's a constant thing in Scripture about seed time and harvest time. And so we understand that in in our faith, seed plays a massive emphasis. Jesus goes on to share stories about a farmer going out and sowing seeds. There's a constant thing in the Bible. I mean, seed is such a powerful thing. A seed is the picture of life. A seed is the picture of fruitfulness. You know, within one apple tree you what with a one apple seed you don't just get a tree you literally can get a whole farm a seed is so powerful a seed is so so it has great carries great potential and a seed is so fragile but yet so strong and that's what God's plan is God's plans God's purposes anytime when God speaks a word he does not give you a harvest he gives you a seed because in that seed lies the harvest you know, when we look at the creation story, when we talk about how God created the heavens and the earth, I do not know. I've got many theories on it. I do not know if it all happened instantly. I do not know if it was one tree, one apple tree or two apple trees that just began to multiply and became a multitude of apple trees. I do not know how it happened. But, but you see that God operates in the realm of the seed. What I'm trying to help you understand this morning is how God operates. He always operates in the realm of a seed, which is why he does not allow you to have 10 kids most cases. He allows you to have one, he trusts you with one, one seed, one child and two and then three. It always begins that way. That's the nature of God. God is intrinsically a farmer. Seed time and harvest time. But we also understand that a lot of times we can put a lot of emphasis on seed, not understanding that where the seed falls on is as equally as important. See, so you can have all the seed that you want. In fact, if you've gone to these cool places, they'll show you seeds of this seed. If you, This seed is from Rhodesia. If you plant this thing, this thing's going to take off. It's kept in, an, in a museum, in, in a filtered plastic container with, no, with nothing happening. You know what I'm talking about? And I feel sometimes in church, that's how it is. We open up the Bible and we pull out the seeds of the living God, the seeds of Scripture, the seeds of miracle. And we all sort of look and point at the art gallery of the things that God has done walking away With no seeds within us. So, as significant as is the seed, so is the soil. See, I can carry all the seed I want, but if I had no Leah, there would be no baby number three. (laughs) I'm going all places just to try and help somebody. And hope is your spiritual womb. See, so many times people talk about the promises of God not understanding the place that they have in the promises of God. When we look at the concept of even having a child, a woman cannot give birth without first conceiving in the womb. And you cannot give birth to the plans and promises of God without first conceiving something in your imagination. See, that's why God does, you know, God God, God says to Abraham, I'm about to make you a great nation, but Abraham doesn't get the seed that's already there. He already got the seed. So then he takes him out and asks him to look into the sky to count the stars because what he was doing, he was triggering his womb. So we will see this through and through in Scripture where God shows Abraham the stars and says, that's how many kids you're going to have. God shows, says to Moses, put your hand in your chest. He takes it out. Leprosy. He says, go show that to, the king, to Pharaoh. Why? Because he's trying to trigger his imagination. He shows Joseph a dream. Why did Joseph really need to see a dream? Why did Joseph could have just gone on with life? But because God recognized that he is the bearer of the seed, but you are the holder of the womb. And your womb plays an equal significant role as it is the seed. The seed tells me about potential, but that potential is only activated when our wombs are present and ready. Hope is a womb and we notice this earlier on i read from mark chapter 9 and i want to now build on this whole thought and the story in mark chapter 9 is jesus was somewhere and then jesus rocks up and it says that there was a multitude of people it's interesting that in this multitude the bible says there was a father who had a son who had a health issue who had a predicament the bible also says that there were these guys called the disciples they were the followers of jesus and the bible goes on to say that there were scribes the scribes are leaders pharisees lawmakers, whatever it is. That's what the Bible says they are. And, and Jesus rocks up to this scene and all of a sudden Jesus sees this commotion and interestingly enough, Jesus turns to the scribes, he turns to the leaders of the law and he says, what's going on? And all of a sudden this father jumps up and he says, I'll tell you what's going on. I brought my son to your disciples and I thought they could heal him. They lay their hands on him and nothing happens. Now I want to give us a little bit of a back, back story to this thing. We can read the story and understand that there's something happening in here. For the first thing you ought to understand is that there were all sorts of people following Jesus. There were all sorts of people, uh, you know, sort of the entourage of Jesus. There were some supporters, there were some viewers and there were some people that were against what Jesus was doing. And, and, and so this father goes and I want you to understand so when we read the story we think the father just sort of rocked up you know he went out the son was going crazy at home so it says let's go to the pie place you know, you know you know, how when it gets too hot you just want to get the kids in the car not because you have too much money but because it's cheaper to have the air cold in the car than it is to have the air in the house you know what I'm talking about when you're on a budget unless you are solar but, but here's the thing so the dad, it's not like one of those stories we read the story as the dad was just there oh there's a healing thing happening he, no the dad knew a few things See, the dad knew that these guys were the disciples of Jesus. So he had an understanding of Jesus. He had a basic level of faith. He had a basic understanding of who the followers of Jesus were. It does not say that he took the boy to the scribes. It says he took the boys to the disciples. So that gives us a bit of an idea that he's maybe been following Jesus. Maybe he's been hearing about Jesus. He has a sense of faith. He has a sense of devotion to the things of God. There's something going on. Are you with me? A- and and then he goes to the disciples, and the disciples are constantly. I can imagine that whole thing. Andrew saying, "It's my turn." Peter saying, "No, it's mine." John saying, "Oh, Jesus loves me. I don't need to do anything." You know what I'm saying? It's like you, you can imagine the conflict even within the disciples, within without their leaders, and they're spending more energy trying to find out who prays. And then one guy prays, the guy doesn't get healed. and says, "Now it's my turn." The guy doesn't get healed. You know, other guy. You know, Barthol- Bartholomew. You know this guy called Bartholomew. Nobody knows what he did. His name's in the Bible. He rocks up. Everybody takes their phone out to see how Bartholomew is going to pray. He is even Christian. And so, and so, and so it's like this whole fiasco going and the guy is absolutely disappointed. And Jesus rocks up to the scene and Jesus says, what's going on? And the guy says, I brought my son to your disciples and he did not get his healing. And Jesus says these words, and that's what I want to really spend the rest of my time with you talking about this morning. He says these words, he says, if you had just a little bit of faith, if you could only believe, God could do anything. And then this man says these words that have always perplexed me for a very long time. He says these words Master or Father, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. In fact, that's what it says. If we can put up verse 24. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I don't know about you, but that sounds to me like a contradiction. Like, do you believe or do you not believe? He just said he believes and then he says, help me in my unbelief. How does that work? How do you believe something and unbelieve it at the same time? How do you love something and sort of not unlove it at the same time? How do you have faith for something and not have faith for it at the same time? How can you believe and unbelieve at the same time? You know, we can nod our heads and say amen to this, but I think this is where many of us live. We believe in God, and this includes me, by the way. I'm not preaching to you. I'm standing and talking with you. We believe in God by theory. God, I believe you can heal, heal that you can raise the dead. God, I believe you can heal the sick. God, I believe you can give us that building. God, I believe you're going to grow this church. God, I believe there's going to be great things that's going to happen in your business. God, I believe in theory, but Lord, when I really whisper, my prayers are similar to the man where I say, Help me in my unbelief. God, I believe in theory, but help me in my unbelief. This is the common cry of every Christian because all of us have been to the museum and seen the potential of the seed. We will never debate what the seed can do or what the seed can't do. We will never argue what the seed can produce or the seed will not produce. There is no contradiction. There is no controversy. But the only controversial situation is ourselves. Where God, I believe, but you'd help me in my unbelief. Could it be that this man had an understanding that some of us are yet gonna understand? I wanna propose something this morning. I don't have too much theological base to build on it, but could it be that this man was saying to Jesus, God, I believe, and my portrayal of belief is the fact that I turned up. My portrayal of belief is the fact that I came to your disciples. My portrayal of the fact is that I'm still standing. I should have been offended. I should have put a Google review, but I'm still standing. I'm still here. My potential is, my put, you know, my, my faith is still, I believe, but there's something in me that is still struggling. Maybe he was trying to convince Jesus. It sounds like a cry, but maybe he was trying to say, maybe this is what belief is. Belief may not just be the presence of faith, but rather the posture of hope. See, so many times we think belief is what we say and what we think and how we act. But could it be that he was saying, God, I believe, help me in my unbelief? Could it be he was saying, God, I have hope, now give me some faith? Could it be he was saying, God, I have a womb, now give me some seed? Could it be that he was saying, God, I'm holding myself in posture, but I need a word from you. In other words, he was saying, could it be that he's saying the reason why even I turned up was because I literally imagined that your, your disciples have the capacity to heal me. Could it be that there was something in him that said, I, I believe in the sense of I can imagine this miracle. I can, I have had visions of this miracles, I hope for this miracle, but now I need you to help me in this moment if I hadn't believed I would not have gone to your disciples in the first place Uh, I don't know if this is this is really this is really sort of catching witness I sort of see a bit of confusion let me try and do it this way Matthew 13 there's a story in the Bible and in the story Jesus talks about how a farmer is going out to sow seeds And the Bible says that this farmer is going out and the whole seed is symbolic of faith. The whole seed is symbolic of word. The whole seed is symbolic of vision. The whole seed is symbolic of miracles, whatever you're believing for. And he goes and it falls on three or four different kinds of soil or ground. The Bible first says it falls on, on the path and the birds came and took him. Then the Bible says that it fell on rocky ground and it was not stable enough, so they sort of, sort of went off. Then it fell on shallow ground and the thorns came up and chewed it up. And then the Bible says it fell on good ground, good soil. You know, I've read the story over and over again and the Bible calls it the parable of the sower and some call it the parable of the sower and the seed. Can I propose to you that that's the wrong title because that was not inspired? Could it be the parable of the soil? Because the seed had potential at every level. There was nothing wrong with the seed that fell on the pot. There was nothing wrong with the seed that fell on the weeds. There was nothing wrong with the seed that fell on shallow ground. There was not, and, and, and as equally, there was nothing wrong with the seed that fell on good soil. The only difference was the recipient of the seed. Father, I, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Father, I believe because this is good soil, but give me some seed. Father, I believe because I have imagined this. I have hoped for this. I have had great expectation for this. Could, be, could this be that moment where, where we've got to understand that as we talk a lot about the seed, but don't understand the necessity of carrying that seed? The power of carrying that seed, the power of hosting that seed, the power of, here's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to break it down because I know there are bottom line people in the room. What is the bottom line? Here's the bottom line. Faith is the seed. Hope is the soil. Wow, that's Did you get that? Faith is the seed, but hope, so, but so many times we get excited about the seed distribution. We jump on YouTube and binge watch seed. Seed, give me another seed. Give me another seed. Give me another seed. Give me I'll sing to the seeds. I'll sing songs about the seed. But if faith is the seed, the seed needs to be planted on good ground, and that ground is called hope. If faith is the seed, then hope is the soil. Father, I believe, but help me in my unbelief master I have this imagination I believe I have this imagination I have this vision it's difficult it's hard it's crazy the tides the torrents the the current weather the the climate doesn't sort of seem to agree but I have this I have this soil I have this belief I have this imagination but now help me get this word inside of me get this promise inside of me get this picture inside of me see the bible says faith without works is dead And I say, faith without hope is barrenness. Faith without works is dead, but faith without hope is barrenness. So my question to us this morning is not so much about what the seed quality is, but rather, what does my soil look like? What does my hope look like? What does my imagination look like? When I walk out of this room, I can applaud and put a Facebook post about the seed distribution that happened this service or at any of the services, any of the moments. But let's talk about what about what is on the inside? What about the hope that we call to carry? What about the imagination? What about that vision? What about that promise? What is that gonna look like? And in fact, it goes on to say, in fact, if you read the whole story about the parables, it says, and, the, and, the, and, and then they went out to produce a 30, a 60, and a hundredfold. In other words, even within the soil, there were different variances of produce. A 30, a 60, a hundredfold. Here's what I'm trying to say. The same seed, and you can have different kinds of results. The same scripture, and you can have a whole different interpretation. The same sermon and two and one person gets delivered, another person gets offended. The same moment, the same word for the year and one will go out there and start a business and start hoping and imagination and will buy that home. Yet another person will applaud that word but will do nothing with it. The same seed, what are we going to produce with it? A 30, a 60, a 100-fold increase. This is good preaching. I'm going to get a hold of this message and preach it to myself this week. A 30, a 60, a hundredfold. is that seed that God has put within us, that God has given to us, that we can produce for the glory of God? In other words, this is what I'm trying to say. The quality of the soil determines the produce of the seed. The quality of the soil determines the produce of the seed. And here's what I want us to do. I don't want us to just have a seed examination. I want us to do a soil inventory. What does my Monday look like? What does my Tuesday look like? What are the words? See, a lot of times you, I preach yourself out of your faith. You, you, you know, there's a message going through your mind and God's trying to penetrate that and he's dropping seeds in there and you no, 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 it's not going to happen. Oh, nothing's going to happen. And you're like, no, I don't do anything. But even, I would even say, even the way sometimes we text is that, you know, we can, we can text ourselves into unbelief. We can text ourselves out of our salvation. We can, oh, wait a minute, let's go here. We can Google ourselves out of our faiths oh man, I feel like I'm getting into somebody's territory. I might just sort of pull back a bit, pull back, pull back. But here's what I'm trying to say. Isn't that what we do where we will applaud the seed but yet not examine the soil? See, the quality of the soil determines the produce of the seed. There's nothing wrong with the seed. There's nothing wrong with the promises of God. There's nothing wrong with the purposes and the plans and the things that God has for us. But so many times we sort of fall away from that because we don't recognize how powerful is this. Which is why what I love about Romans 4, because you know what it says in Romans 4? It says, Abraham did not weaken his faith despite of his age and the barrenness of his wife. Despite of his age and the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Can I propose to you? It had nothing to do with the quality of Sarah's womb. It had everything to do with the availability of Sarah's womb. So many times we determine the things that God has for us based on the quality as opposed to the availability. Could hope not be based on quality, but rather based on availability. Could imagination be not based on the quality? Is my dreams in 3D or in 4D? Am I feeling it? Am I sweating it? No, no, no. Could, could it be the availability of our of our minds, of our hearts, of our engagement? When we wake up in the morning, is that that vision in front of you? Is that a hope in front of you? Is that that sense of, no, today is going to be a great day. It's horrible. I spilled coffee on me, but that's okay. It's still going to be a great day. The, the, the availability of Sarah's womb was what produced Isaac. It wasn't the quality. Quality of her womb and we have witnesses in the room because that's exactly what happened to Mary Mary was a virgin but that did not come in the way in the availability of a womb in fact she said to the angel be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to the vision that you have for me. Be it unto me according to the plans that you have for me. Be it unto me according to the purposes that you have for me. I'm not sure how this is going to happen. I've not been with a man, but be it unto me. My womb is available. God, I'm available. Hope is looking for people that are available, that'll put position themselves at places and say, I don't have the seed. You are the holder of the seed, but my soil is ready. My heart is open. My mind is willing. I am available. And that's salvation, isn't it? See, salvation without the soil is potential. The gospel without a broken life is just a great story. But what makes the gospel powerful is when the newness of life enters the darkest doorways of death. And that's why we are in this room. That's why we sing the way we sing. That's why we will sing even when the screens go off because the screens don't determine my worship. The screens don't determine how loud I'm going to sing. The screens are not going to take away my praise because we know that all we needed to do was give God The broken soil, see even in salvation it was not the fact that your soil was all put together. It wasn't that you had it all together. And Jesus said, fix that soil and then I will come into your life. He said, give me that dirty heart. Give me that dirty soil. Give me that life that's filled with, filled that nobody wants because I died for that life. And I'm going to put the seed, my imperishable seed into the crevices of that dark alleyway and see God do something that only he can do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can ask or imagine or think according to the power working inside of you and me. That that place in God, and that's what it is. And if you're here this morning and and, and you don't have a relationship with God, friend, you're saying, God, I don't have it all together. God, my life is not in the right place. God, I I don't even know the songs. I don't know a word from the Bible. I don't even know the difference between Jesus and Jonathan. It does not matter. You know, I'm not sure what is what, but that does not matter. God is not looking for quality of knowledge. He's looking for availability of heart. And if you're in this room, and friend, you do not need to know enough to believe. You just need to have an open heart that says, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. I'll work out what needs to work out. Because the thing is, when the soil finds, finds its home, rather when the seed finds its home, it'll work its way out. When the seed of the gospel finds its home, it'll work its way out. And if you're here this morning, if I can have every eye closed for a moment, we're gonna come to a time of prayer. But if you're here and you're saying, I feel so far from God, I feel so distant from God, and I feel so, so unqualified to be in the presence of God, this message is for you. This is for you right here, right now. But all you have is available soil. Not good soil, not great soil, not high quality soil. But all you have is available soil. Where you're saying, God, if you will take this broken, bruised, beaten heart. This broken down, bruised, barren womb. This broken down, destroyed soul. With every eye closed, if that is you and you're saying, I need the soul. I need the seed of Jesus. I need the touch of Jesus. I need to receive Jesus. Or I need to come back to Jesus. If that is you right now, with every eye closed in the presence of God, I just want you to slip your hands up. Just so that I can recognize you, know who you are, pray for you. Just where you're at, if that is you, just slip those hands up right now. Just slip those hands up. That's it. There you go. Anybody else? Just, just slip those hands up. Today is your day. Today is your day. We are, we are with family. Is there anybody else? You're saying, that's for me. That's for me. That's for me. I do not know how this works, but there's something in me that's saying to say yes. Something in me to say yes. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? You're saying, I need to say yes. 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 Why don't we say this prayer together, church? Jesus, I receive you. Come into my heart. From this day forward, I'm a new creation. I walk away from my sin, from my shame, and I ask you to fill me now. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. From this day forward, I'll never be the same. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here and you're saying, Pastor, this spoke to me, maybe you have a relationship with God, but you have spent so much time admiring the seed and not outplaying the soil. Maybe you just sort of not examined the soil and said, I need to get this right. I need to get my mouth right. I need to get my mind right. I need to get my confession because all these things, are accumulation of revelation does not, does not equal maturity. Accumulation of revelation might be the museum of seeds there's so many Christians that are 272 scriptures overweight and maybe you're like there's all this stuff but God I just want to get a hold of one word people ask me all the time oh what's God telling you now God spoke to me when I was 14 to move to Australia see a move God I'm still following that seed that's one seed one seed one seed here we are one seed here we are when you get a hold of see it's not about getting a hold of a seed it's about that seed getting a hold of the soil and if you hear you saying, that's me I need to get the soil right I need to condition the soil I need to be that good soil I need to just work that out If that is just slip your hands up right now I just want to pray for people across the room hands going across the room father right now I pray for hands that are going up I pray for every heart every moment every life and I pray God in this coming week you are the gardener you are the farmer come into our hearts come into our lives and reveal the quality of our soil so that we can be good ground that you would produce out of your grace and out of your mercy, a 30, a 60, and a hundredfold. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody shout, Amen.